0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. For your holy written Word, it is a lamp unto my feet. Quicken me according to the word, change me from glory to glory, and I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again, in Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 3, if you would please, the book of James in chapter 3, and in a moment we're going to look at verse 2, but first let me just tell you that tonight I want to talk to you about not giving your emotions the key to your mouth. Don't give your emotions the keys to your mouth. Now, we've been discussing and talking about managing our emotions and the importance of not giving them free reign over our lives. We've also talked about that if we do, we can bring a reproach to the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can discredit our testimony We can also be kept out of the promises of God. And we referred to the Israelites and we saw that because they gave their emotions control over their lips, they ended up being complainers and murmurers. And as a result, they were kept out of the promised land. But not only were they kept out, but they also faced 40 years of living in an environment they detested. Boy, think about that one. For 40 years, they live in an environment they detested. Beloved, words are powerful. And giving our emotions the keys to our words or to our speech or to our lips is like giving a 13-year-old boy the keys to a car. Both are extremely dangerous. Now, some people might say, well, why? Because our feelings... now. They might be rooted in reality, but they're not based on truth. They may be rooted in reality, but they're not based on truth. See, the Israelites, they were venting their emotional feelings. But their emotional feelings were not conveying truth to them. They spot out the land. They saw the land. They saw the giants in the land. So they began to vent their fears their apprehensions. They talked about their inadequacies and how they couldn't do it. So their emotions had control of their lips and they spoke out things that weren't based on truth. They certainly felt that way, but you know what? There is something higher than our feelings. And that is the truth of God's Word. Now, there was no problem with saying there's giants in the land, but always at a but. But. When you say that. But God's bigger. Like Joshua and Caleb, they said, but our God will take us in. And we're going to make it all the way through. Well, they didn't do that. They gave their emotions the key to their lips. They spoke out against the plan of God. And you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 11, that a fool vents all his emotions and feelings, but a wise man holds them back. It's foolish, in other words, to give our emotions the key to our lips and we don't want to be foolish. We want to be what? Wise. In James chapter 3 and verse 2, the enemy wants to get us to use our speech against ourselves. He wants to get us to sin with our tongue or with our mouths. Because he knows that if we do, we curse our own field. We stop our own blessings from coming to fruition. And we also speak out against or resist the will of God for our lives. Here in James 3, 2, it says, if any man, or in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word or speech, the same as a mature or perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole what? Whole body. The whole body. You know, the enemy wants you to speak out against your life. He wants you to murmur and complain about life as you see it. Man, I gotta do the dishes today and I gotta do the laundry and oh I just can't believe I gotta get up and go to work again. Well did you think it was going to be different? And I've gotta watch these kids and I've got to give them a bath and I've got to do the ironing and I've got to do the cooking and I've got to do the cleaning and I've got to cut the grass and I've got to fix the car and I've got to pay the bills. And we just go on and on venting our emotional feelings and frustrations. Now, beloved, to control the body, you've got to first control the tongue. You don't control the tongue. You don't control the body. You're not going to feel like getting out of bed in the morning sometimes. But you've got to lie there and say, body up. You might have to say up in the name of Jesus and get more forceful and strong with it. But you see, you've got to do it. To control the body, we've got to control the tongue or our lips. And if we don't control our lips, we're not going to control our body. And you know what? We're going to be negative. And we're going to speak negative about our lives. We're going to think that our lives aren't worth living. What about this one? It's too cold outside. All right, we'll wait till August. It's too hot outside. Isn't that human nature? Can't wait till it warms up. the first hot day we get in May or June. Ha! Oh, I can't take the heat already. What am I going to do when summer comes? Isn't that how we are? We're always finding fault with our life's circumstances. Something just isn't right. Well, did we think that everything was going to be right? Beloved, I want you to know something. Life isn't always favorable. And the conditions of life aren't always pleasant. But to murmur and complain about it gets us nowhere good at all. As the Israelites found out, they didn't make it into the promised land. And they had to live in that negative environment For the rest of their days, until they died. If that doesn't speak to our hearts, I don't know what will. You know, hurts and wounds that we experience in our lives give place to lies. And lies give place to emotional upheaval. And also, emotional upheaval gives place to dysfunction. In our lives dysfunctional behavior in our lives and it starts way down at the bottom in the root system where either we don't face life correctly or we've been hurt along the way maybe someone said something and someone did something and so we have a wound or hurt on the inside and maybe you know our life circumstances at this moment aren't exactly what we want them to be and we do feel hurt maybe even wounded by God, even though we know that God didn't really do it. But you know when we have emotional hurts inside and we have wounds inside, those wounds give place to lies. And then we buy the lie that's being sold. And those two things make up the cause of emotional upheaval and dysfunctional behavior in people's lives. For example, your child's coming home from school and your child's getting bad grades in a particular subject that they excelled in the year before. What is the problem? And then they say to you, I don't really want to go to school today. I don't feel like going to school today. And I mean, before it was, school was a joy. They were happy to go to school. Something is wrong here. This is dysfunctional behavior. My child doesn't act this way. And so, we think it's the child's fault. What's wrong with the child? What are they going through? And all that. And we start targeting the symptoms rather than getting to the root cause. You see, she went from an A, maybe to a D, in this particular subject. Why? We don't really know. But let's find out. Let's explore it. Why this behavior pattern in this child's life? Research will help us find this out. The teacher that she has this year is far different from the teacher that she had last year. And she did something or he did something in class. Maybe didn't understand something about the particular subject or a principle or a formula or something like that. And so asked the teacher something about that particular principle. And the teacher just kind of snapped out and just said, I don't understand why you don't understand this. And why can't you figure this out? And came across strong. In his or her demeanor. All of a sudden, the child withdrew. All of a sudden, the child clammed up. All of a sudden, the child was hurt. And these hurt feelings on the inside, the wound inside, gave place to what? She doesn't like me. This teacher doesn't like me. you know what? I can never ask another question ever again. Because if I do, I'll be humiliated in front of all these Classmates. The lies begin. Next thing you know, there's emotional upheaval. All these thoughts are going through her mind. There's something wrong with me. There has to be something wrong with me. Why did this happen to me? And before you know it, the dysfunctional behavior. Mom, I don't want to go to school today. I don't like going to school at all. You see where it began? It didn't begin with the dysfunctional behavior. It began when she was hurt. It began when she had a wound in her life. The wound gave birth to a lie. Those two make up the cause, which give birth to emotional upheavals and dysfunctional behavior. And she starts believing the lie and saying things and thinking things that are really possibly not true. Now, I'm not saying that a teacher can have a problem with the child. I mean, that could be true, but sometimes teachers are more forceful than others and come across in a different style of teaching. And maybe what works with one child doesn't work with another child. And so this child is just withdrawing and backing up and walking away and actually doesn't even feel like going to school anymore because the child has been hurt or wounded. And as we just said, it leads to dysfunctional behavior. Well, beloved, I want you to turn me to the book of Colossians chapter three. And I want us to know that none of us is exempt from experiencing emotional upheavals in our lives that lead to dysfunctional behaviors. Especially in the body of Christ. And every single one of us, as far as God is concerned, is required, required by Him to deal with our emotional feelings and not allow them to control our lives and lead to dysfunctional behavior. We're supposed to have love in the body of Christ and unity in the body of Christ and fellowship in the body of Christ, one with another. And we're supposed to get to a place in the body of Christ where we look out for each other's needs. And we desire to help each other along life's path. In the book of Colossians chapter 3 in verse 10, it says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Notice and underline the new man. Putting on, he says, the new man. Then he goes on in verse 11 and says, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. In verse 10, he talks about the new man. In verse 11, he reveals to us that this new nature that we have on the inside is not leaning toward distinctions or differences that exist in people's lives. But in verse 10, let's first of all analyze the new man. You know, the new man, the new creature that we are on the inside is not negative. Because this new man is born of God. And we have the nature of God. You think the nature of God is negative? I don't think so. I think the nature of God is positive. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness. Those are all characteristics of the life of God in the spirit of a man. And all those things are positive and they produce positive things in a person's life. But now go on that verse 11. and that verse 11, it describes the condition of the new man in verse 10 and tells us that this new man in verse 10 makes no distinctions as far as the spirit is concerned. And when we look at people in the flesh, we shouldn't view people in the flesh and make distinctions because of the differences that exist between people in the flesh. For example, in Christ, he says, there is no Jew or Greek. We could say it this way. In Christ, we're all one race of people. In Christ, there's neither black nor white. In Christ, there's neither Asian nor Native American. See, there are distinctions in the flesh. We understand physical distinctions. Language distinctions. Social distinctions. Cultural distinctions. We know they all exist. People from the south don't talk like people in the north. We know that. But then you have Pittsburghers. You know what a Pittsburgher talks like? Yuns. Where that expression come from? Who coined that expression? Where are yuns going? See, the South would say, where are you all going? But we say, Pittsburghers say, where yuns? What's a yuns? Where are yuns going? You talk about a combination of words all into one, yuns. But we understand the language, don't we? See, we know there are distinctions, we know there are differences, but in Christ they don't exist. See, in Christ we're neither black nor white. In Christ, it doesn't matter what language we speak. In Christ, our hair is neither straight nor kinky. In Christ, we're all the same. As a matter of fact, can I do a little illustration here? Brother Ken, would you come here and stand next to me? Amanda, would you come and stand next to me? You know, in Christ, we're neither tall nor short. You thought I was going in another direction, didn't you? In Christ, we're neither tall nor short. So as you look at us in Christ, I want you to meet my twin brother. See here? This is my twin brother right here. See, you're looking at us in the flesh and you see distinctions. And you see differences. But you know what? We're both in Christ. We're born of the same spirit. We're washed in the same blood. And we're both of the same race. We have the same language of faith, which is the Word of God. But now let me go one step further. You see my sister over here? See, we're we're twins, but the three of us, we're triplets. (laughs) In gender. Because the Bible says in Christ, there's neither male nor female. In Christ, Christ in us, we're in Christ. We're all one. We're of the same race. And you know what, when God does a work in us in the spirit, I believe he does a work that transcends all other nationalities, all other external differences that might exist in our lives, and we're all brothers and sisters of the same royal blood, we have a new kingdom that we live in right now, and we're all one. But you see, as you see us in the flesh, I'm sorry I'm so much shorter than you are, I mean it it, It doesn't bother me. (laughs) One of these days I'm going to dunk on you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. See, the thing is, we look at people in the flesh and we really fail to bring into reality the idea that in the spirit, we're the same. We are one. We have the same life of God, the same character of God. We've got the same everything of God on the inside of us. So why are we looking at people after the flesh when we should be looking at each other as who we are in the Spirit? And God doesn't want us to think of ourselves according to the flesh. He wants us to think of ourselves according to who He made us in the Spirit. And that's what this is talking about. That we're to put on the new man which is recreated in Him in holiness and godliness and let's read on to the next verse verse 12 put on therefore what is that therefore therefore put on therefore because we're all made of the same spirit because we're all of the same new race new species that never before existed because we all make up a new nationality i'm telling you we are heirs of god we are joint heirs with jesus Praise God, because of this truth that we're neither male nor female, Jew or Greek. See, all those things exist in the flesh, but in the spirit, they're non-existent. And they're a non-issue whatsoever. Because of that, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and everybody say this next word, long-suffering. Not short-suffering, but long-suffering. Why does he say that? Because as we view each other in the flesh, as we deal with each other in the flesh, as we realize in the flesh we all have different personality traits and characteristics, it's easy for us to... To become short-suffering with one another, and it's easy for us to be offended by one another and hurt by one another and wounded by one another, or because someone might do something differently than what I would the way I would do it, we've got to put on some things. Now, did you know this? You know, Joanne, your, your husband can go out and buy you a whole new wardrobe of clothing. Fill up your closet with all these new beautiful dresses and pantsuits and shoes and accessories and all that. And a year later, he can walk up to you and say, how come you haven't put on any of those clothes I bought you? Well, it's because you never walked into the closet and took them out and put them on. But are they in there? They certainly are. You know what, beloved? God made a deposit on the inside of us. Every single one of us. But make note of this. What God put in, we must put on. What God put in, we must put on. I've got to put on bowels of mercy. I've got to put on long suffering. How do I do that? Not by giving my emotions the keys to my mouth. But by giving my spirit the keys to my mouth. But by giving the Word of God the keys to my mouth. By setting the course of my life. Remember, my body is controlled by what? The words of my mouth. And who I am in spirit is more of a reality than who I am in the flesh. This flesh is not eternal, but my spirit is. You know, my character flaws are not eternal. You know, my shortcomings are not eternal. My faults and my failures are not eternal, but thank God my spirit is. And though my outward man perish, my inward man is renewed day by day. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? Absolutely. So we're supposed to put on long suffering. That means we're supposed to be patient with one another. Why? Because of our flesh, our fallen flesh. Look at verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. In other words, putting up with one another and you know it's impossible that, but that offense is going to come. You're going to be offended. I'm going to be offended. We're all going to be offended in this life even by our brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know why? Because we're imperfect beings in the flesh. Just the very fact that we do things differently can offend somebody. You know, especially when you're in the position of leadership, and you say yes to one thing, you hurt 50 people. You say no to the same thing, you hurt 50 more. So if you say yes, or if you say no, that's why I like the word maybe. (laughs) Think about that one for a while. Because you're going to hurt somebody along the way. Well, what's the remedy to that? We've got to learn to put on love. We've got to learn to put on Christ. We've got to learn to be long-suffering and forbearing and forgiving with one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. We're talking about not giving our emotions the keys to our lips. Because, you know, when people are hurt, the first thing they like to do is talk about it. Man, so-and-so hurt me, and this is why I'm hurt. And they tell 20 other people and cause all kinds of problems in people's lives. And if they would have just refused to give their emotions the key to their lips and dealt properly with the offense, you know what? It would have been dead, buried, laid to rest, and gone forever, and no one would have been the wiser. Think about that. And everything would be okay. But you see, too often we don't do that. We just allow these things to stay within us. We never deal with the hurt or the wound. It causes us to believe the lie that leads to emotional upheaval and then soon enough, dysfunctional behavior. Look at the next verse. Verse 14. And above all... Everybody say above all. Above all all these things put on... You know, you've got... Charity, agape love in the closet of your spirit? <clears throat> Did you know that? You do, but what do you have to do with it? What's put it on mean? Clothe yourself with it. Do you know that love is the perfect protection for our emotions? Our emotional feelings are protected under the clothing of love. Love covers the multitude of sins. And when a person chooses to clothe himself in the love of God and with the love of God, then that person is protecting his emotions from offense, which will prevent him from believing the lie. You know, I find my security in God. Aren't you glad that you can find your security in God? You know, my brother and my sister might offend me or hurt me or let me down, but you know what? That's just natural because we're all human. And we're all going to make mistakes and we all have to deal with our flesh. But I'll tell you what, it's time the body of Christ rise up to a higher level and stop viewing who we are in the flesh. And as Paul said, I know no man after the flesh, only after the spirit. And everyone in Christ is a new creation in the spirit. And I'm focusing not on their flesh, but on their spirit because they look so good on the inside. Now, we're to clothe ourselves with what? With love. Because love is the what? Love is the bond. Everybody say bond. Now, that Greek word that's there for bond actually means it's the adhesive. It is the glue or the adhesive that does what? Causes us to adhere together in perfection. Love is the bond of spiritual maturity. Love is the bond that causes cohesion in the body of Christ. Love is the bond that glues us together, one to the other. We're not looking at our external differences. We are looking at the fact that we are born of the same spirit, washed in the same blood of the same royal family, family, and we have the life of God in us. We're of God's kingdom we're brothers and sisters in Christ and love is the bond or the adhesive that causes us to come together in perfect harmony that knits us together as one enabling us to experience the, the fullness of God in our lives and bring forth, I believe, the purpose of God for our lives. And I believe it's God's the desire that every body of Christ, every body where there's a bunch of believers like these here tonight like all of you here tonight would decide to put on love because that's the bond of perfectness or perfection or maturity in our lives if we do it we'll present we'll prevent ourselves from any kinds of hurt any kinds of pain that can destroy us because we'll view life differently not externally but internally. And you know what? You've got a whole lot more power on the inside than you do on the outside. All right. What causes anger and hostility and resentment in people's lives? What causes it? You know the answer. It's hurt. A person gets hurt. And when a person gets hurt, there's a reaction to that hurt. You ever notice in a natural If you touch a stove, what happens? What do you do? What do you do when you touch a, a hot stove? You pull your hand away or you what? Withdraw. You pull back. Why? Because you want to protect yourself. You don't want that pain any longer in your life, right? You know, emotionally we're built the same way. You know, when someone offends us, when someone hurts us, the first thing that we do is we withdraw and we clothe ourselves with something that will prevent us from getting hurt any further. What is it that we clothe ourselves with? Anger. Unforgiveness. Hostility. Resentment. See, we pull away. They hurt me. And you know the very first thing when we try to attack back we do. We use our mouths. Do you ever see a cat instinctively, if you back it up into a corner, hunches up its back and begins to hiss? Why is it doing that? It wants to produce fear in the person that's attacking. See, it's like a built-in device that God has placed within the animal kingdom. You see it in, in, in all, you know, animals. If they have to, they'll do what's necessary to defend themselves. You know, we're the same way. We all of a sudden start speaking out in a negative way, in a derogatory way if we've been hurt. Why? Because we don't want to be hurt. We want to attack and lash out so that we're not hurt any longer. Now, we turn that thing around and we hurt the other person back. Or in the natural, we clothe ourselves with something called resentment, or hostility, or anger, or unforgiveness. And we withdraw from people, and we want them to know, you know, we're hurt. And so we take a step back. Well, clothing ourselves with those things, beloved, I believe, causes people to develop specific kinds of attitudes that are destructive. You know, it's just like a cancer. That begins to grow in a person's life. You have that kind of attitude. Hostile. And now you're an angry person. You're a negative person. Before long, you find fault with everybody that looks at you the wrong way. This person looked at me that way in church. And I know there was some motive behind it. There was something that they were trying to communicate to me in a negative sense. You know what? Before long, that thing grows and grows and grows. We're believing the lie. That person could have meant nothing by it. But because we're so negative, now we believe the lie. We give our emotions, what? The keys to our lips. We start telling all kinds of people. So-and-so, I don't know about so-and-so. And we fault find. We criticize. We point out their flaws. We start spewing these things out of our mouths and saying these things and saying these things. And now we've got resentment. We've got hostility. We've got bitterness. And you know what's happening? Listen carefully. Our soulish man is covering up our spirit man. Our emotions are covering over the life of God that's in our spirit. And we're not clothing ourselves with love. We're clothing ourselves with hurt emotions. Anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, hostility begin to clothe the person's life. And they get to a place where, as I said, everyone that they see, they think there's a problem and they, they view their lives as such that everyone's out to get them. Everyone has a, you know, something against them or wants to destroy them. And the whole thing is manufactured in their minds all because they exposed themselves to bitterness, unforgiveness or resentment. And they didn't deal with the emotional upheaval that was taking place within their own lives. God wants us to put on charity, which is the bond of perfection. God wants us to protect ourselves by walking in love. You know, the most important thing you can do to protect yourself from emotional hurt is to choose to walk in love. And by walking in love, as I said, love covers the multitude of sins. And when offenses come our way, rather than giving our emotions, the keys to our lips, and us saying all those things that are negative and destructive, we deal correctly with offenses that come our way. We get down to the root cause of the problem. Like the little girl we talked about in school, sitting down with the teacher and sitting down with the child, discovering why the child is hurt, and then not ignoring the hurt. You know, sometimes I think because we preach the message of faith, people think that we're talking about put a little word bandaid over your hurt, ignore it, pretend like it doesn't really exist. And you know, the faith message doesn't preach that as on the contrary, we tell people, you've got to deal with your emotions. If you've been hurt, you've got to confront the hurt. You've got to deal with it. You've got to apply the word then to your situation so that you can present your emotional feelings to God for what? For healing. God wants to heal us in our emotions. God wants to deliver us from our feelings. But we've got to do that as an act of our will. We have to evaluate our own lives. What about this? Anger is another thing that results in a person's life when they're hurt. They're angry because something didn't go their way. Have you ever walked around the house, if you're married out there, and you started either picking on your, your, your wife or your husband or your kids? And you found yourself irritable, short-tempered, not long-suffering, but short-suffering? And you got to the place where you couldn't even stand yourself? Have you ever been there? And you said to yourself, why am I doing this? But it seems to be it's uncontrolled. You're just spewing out things and you're so frustrated. Changing a diaper is just like a monumental thing. So hard, so difficult to do because we're so frustrated. You see, beloved, anger is connected to something else. There is something underlying that is the problem, the cause of the problem. It may not be the fact that your wife didn't do something for you. You're upset about something else. Those are times we've got to get along with God And we've got to say spirit of god i give you access to my life you know what's going on inside me that i need to have revealed reveal to me what it is i haven't dealt with in my life that's causing me to be this way and you might discover you might find out that maybe what will surface in your life is you know your boss treated you horribly the other day and you know what you never dealt with that problem man you brought that thing home you took it out on your wife you took it out on the kids And they were not the problem. They weren't even a part of the problem. They were just the ones that you took everything out on. You need to get that thing worked out. You can't be that way and then go home and think, you know, they're going to be the the, the subject of all that abuse. That's not right. So it was anger. See, the Bible says the person that controls his anger is greater than a strong city. Do you know that? He is also better than the mighty. Proverbs 16, 32 anger is highly condemned in the bible if you give place to it be angry and what sin not don't let the sun go down upon your wrath if we give our emotional feelings access to our lips when we're angry what do we normally say nothing really that's that good and then afterwards what do most people do i didn't mean that i shouldn't have said that Why did I say that? You know, sometimes we can say things that are very destructive and that are very hurtful out of anger. That maybe we really don't mean. But it was because we failed to do what? We failed to control our emotional feelings. And also we failed to deal with the hurt or the wound that we might have. We open up ourselves to our emotional feelings and we've allowed them to control our lives and now we start speaking out all these terrible things. You want to talk about getting out of the promised land. You might be sleeping on the couch tonight. Think it over for a while. You'll get it tomorrow morning. We need to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, why am I angry? Why am I hurting? Why do I feel the way I feel? You know, beloved, God is more concerned about what's going on on the inside of us than He is about what's going on on the outside of us. Let me give you an illustration. It's like the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they were laymen. And they were well-schooled in the Word. They knew the Word. They wore the Word right here as frontlets in the forefront of their mind, they wore blue to show that they're close to God. They did their fasting, they did their praying, and they were also seen of men. But the problem with their lives was they were very self-righteous and condescending. They got to a place where they felt as though because they kept the law externally, that they're the creme de la creme. And they started pointing the fingers at other people we're not like them, we're not like them, we're not like those people. See, and they had an attitude about them. Well, God wasn't pleased with their attitude. Jesus made that very clear. And he said, look, you pride yourself in keeping the external law. But what really is God trying to communicate to us? You say the external sins are what? Adultery, fornication, murder, robbery, thievery, you know, and that sort of thing. And you look down upon people and you criticize people and you judge people for their actions. But here you are, you fast twice a week, you read the Word of God, you keep it before your mind, but yet you don't realize that, listen, outwardly, you're like a whited sepulcher. But inwardly... There's nothing but dead bones on the inside. And he called the Pharisees hypocrites. Why? Because externally they were keeping the letter of the law, but internally they were messed up human beings. And so Jesus said to them, In your law it is written, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look at a woman to lust after her, You have committed adultery. You know what? He was reading their minds. He was speaking their hearts. He was telling them, you think because you haven't haven't, uh, committed the actual act that you're free and without guilt? He said, I know your thoughts. You've lusted in your hearts after women. And so as far as God is concerned, you've committed adultery. So don't be so pious and holy and think you haven't. You ready for this? Listen to what he said. In your law, it is written, thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not kill. But if you have hatred in your heart for somebody, you have already murdered. He goes one step further. He says, you know what else? If you can say to somebody, you fool in such a tone that you wish they were dead. You're in danger of hellfire. Wait, these are the ones that are clothed. They have the look about them. Their hair was white, purity. They had blue, close to God, in the sky. I mean, they had the frontlets over the... And they were seen praying publicly, pious, self-righteous. Inwardly, they were full of pride, See, beloved, God's concerned about what's happening in us, inwardly. He's concerned about our emotional state. He's concerned about our spiritual state. You know what? He wants us to clothe ourselves with love. And you know what else? I'm going to give these real quick and I'll close. He wants us to learn how to be in control of our emotional feelings. He wants us to learn how to deal with our hurts, our anger, if there's unforgiveness or bitterness or hostility or resentment. He wants us to give the Spirit key, the keys to our mouths so that we say things that will unleash the ability of God in us and not release emotions that are very destructive in people's lives. You know, think about this. Well, I saw on the news just the other day, this, this, this mother tried to stab her three-year-old to death. You, you just go. This woman was out of control. Her emotions just took over her life. Beloved, people have a lot of problems in the world today. You know, we can. You follow what I'm about to give you. You can stay out of a mental institution. You follow what I'm about to give you. It won't cost you, maybe, to buy a tape. What is it? Two fifty to buy a tape, instead of two thousand dollars, going to a psychiatrist or psychologist. I mean this, if you'll follow these steps, these steps will assure you that you can stay in control and that you can overcome and that your spirit man on the inside will have access to your life and will rule and reign over your life and not your emotional feelings. And I'm going to give this in in line with forgiveness, but it also deals with all other emotional feelings that we might have, whether it's anger or whatever. But number one, the first thing we have to do is to acknowledge the pain. Acknowledge the pain the pain you know what i'm hurt if your husband hurts you if your wife hurts you you know you can walk over to her and just say you know what honey i'm hurt i don't know if you meant to hurt me by that but i'm hurt and too often what we do we just withdraw and we walk away and then when we withdraw and walk away and we don't deal with the hurt we start believing the the lies Oh, my dad doesn't really care about me. My mom doesn't really care about me. If they cared about me, blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on and on. And so they start believing the lies. We start believing the lies and we start feeding on the lies that produces emotional upheaval. That produces dysfunctional behavior. And before you know it, your kids aren't even talking to you or you're not talking to one another. Why? Because it's not like the natural where you can pull away and it's going to help you. You pull away and withdraw. It doesn't help you. Unless you know how to get things together and confront the thing. So number one, acknowledge the pain. Yes, I'm hurt. I feel hurt. We're not denying it. We're not ignoring it. I have hurt in my life because of whatever. But now number two, confront it. Face it. Confront it. See, we have to confront the mountains that stand between us and victory. Not deny them. We've got to confront them. I'm going to deal with this. I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm not going to entertain the lies. I am going to confront this particular feeling that I have in my life. This particular wound or this particular hurt. And number three, and I'll tell you, most psychologists, most psychiatrists, unless they are Christian, will never take you to number three. And number three is what? Surrender your hurt and your pain to God. And don't take a year to do it. Don't take six months to do it. Don't take a week to do it. Surrender the hurt to God. He is concerned about the feelings of our infirmities. He is concerned about how we feel emotionally. Remember David said to his soul, Soul, why are you so downcast? Acknowledge it confront it, and then surrender it. God, you're bigger than my emotions. You're bigger than how I feel. And I don't want to give my mouth over to my emotions. And so, Father, I am surrendering my emotions to you. I am presenting them to you. And number four, believe you receive healing for your emotions. What does Luke 4 talk about? 418. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Uh, what does Psalm 147 verse 3 say? He heals the brokenhearted and binds up every wound. Present your emotions to God. And then believe you receive by faith healing for emotions. We know to do that in the flesh for our physical healing, but what about emotional healing? I present my emotions to you. Father, I'm crabby. I'm just flat out irritable. Aggravated. Short suffering. Easily provoked. So Father God. I am presenting my emotional feelings to you. And Father I believe I receive your healing touch. For my emotional feelings. Now. Let's go on. Number five. Make a decision. Make a decision if someone has hurt you, if someone has wronged you, make a decision to forgive. If it's not a case where someone has hurt you, it's just an incident in life, then you've got to make a decision to deal with that matter at a specific point in time so that you can rest assured it has been dealt with and it cannot crop up any longer in your life. You will have a point of reference because of your point of contact. That's when you dealt with it. But if it 's unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and hostility, those things that are very destructive, bitterness will just flood us through our bodies it'll just produce like a cancer in us and destroy us. Listen you've got to decide to forgive somebody you've got to make a choice to forgive somebody because we can't shoot we can 't forgive based on our emotional feelings. You know someone just today was just we were talking to somebody just today, and someone just said that. They asked the neighbor to do something. You know, that neighbor was so irate. It was something small, something simple, something that should have not triggered off any animosity whatsoever. But you know what? That neighbor was so, so vindictive, so upset, so irate, so hurt because the neighbor asked to do something. I mean, started doing all kinds of different things and denying certain things and not being neighborly anymore just because they asked to do something nicely. What was the problem? Well, what they, what they asked was personal so because it was personal, they took it personal. And rather than deal with the fact that, look, we have to live in the same neighborhood together, and there's some things that we feel could be better, you know, for our, our w- relationship. Some people would just not listen. Because he felt violated, just lashed out, and probably did all kinds of crazy things that were needless. Controlled by what? Emotional feelings. And those emotional feelings were wrong, and they weren't warranted. Okay, number five, make a decision to forgive the person. And number six, now these next three, six, seven, and eight, are found as principles in Matthew 5, 44 through 48, in dealing with our enemies or our offenders. Pray for those. Pray for those. You know, when we begin to clothe ourselves in love is when we begin to pray for those that offend us. Father, I'm praying for so-and-so. The person that offended you. I am releasing this person to you. I am releasing them from the debt. I'm giving them over to you. And Father, I pray for their success. I pray for their well-being. I pray you will touch their hearts. I pray you'll do something in their lives that's positive, that is good. Whether it's send labors across their path, give them the word of God. I pray for this person or for these people or for whoever in the name of Jesus okay what was the second thing he said do good to those that hate you do good to those bless those that curse you those three things you pray for them six number 7 you bless them speak well of them now i now remember there are certain situations that are different i mean if a person's been violated by somebody, raped by somebody, or something like that. You take that thing up with God. And you know that that's how you handle that kind of a situation. But I'm talking about, hey, did you realize that this person sat in my seat on Wednesday night? I had to walk around the church three times. I didn't even know if I wanted to come into church. They should know I sit there all the time. I think I'm just going to leave. Hey, you think that... I'll tell you what. Small things like that create hurts and wounds which give place to lies. All these lies begin to bombard our minds. All of a sudden, emotional upheaval. You go home and you just begin to spew out I can't believe the audacity someone would take my seat in church there i go to be built up and edified there i go to really represent god well and they're in my seat and i can't do it that shows our level of spirituality doesn't it so pray for the offender speak well of those that speak evil of you and do something good do something good he's this, these are principles from the word of god do good To those that hate you. So pray for them. Speak well of them. Do good to them. And you're clothing yourself with love. How do I know that? What did Jesus say at the beginning of all this? Love your enemies. Clothe yourself with love. And He showed us exactly how to do it. Pray for them. Speak well of them. You know, you might have a problem with something that goes on around here. You know, I know you find this hard to believe, but you know, we're not perfect around here. We make mistakes around here. We do certain things that are wrong around here. And we know that because we're all human beings. Did you know that? Well, you know what? Even though we do things wrong, and you might know we do some things wrong, it's best still to pray for us and and talk good about us and just get us, help us stay on the right track because we need your support. We need your prayers. Because, if anything, we're under more attack by the enemy because he doesn't want things to work out well here in this assembly. wants to stop us from ministering the power of God to people. And then, this is number nine, this is only if you have to do it. If you have to do it, go to the person. Go to the person that has offended you, if you can or if you have to. And, of course... You'll know in your heart, if you have to, you'll be led by the Spirit of God and you'll know you've got to deal with this particular situation. Leave your gift at the altar so you can't even praise and worship God because you've got this thing on the inside. Well, go to the person and work it out properly. Why? Because if you don't, you're going to give yourself over to your emotional feelings. Your emotional feelings are going to run rampant over your life. And then you're going to start speaking out wrong things. So don't don't allow that. Go get it dealt with. And then finally... Make the commitment. Now, this is probably the most difficult thing that we'll ever have to do. But are you ready for it? Make a commitment from your heart never to talk about it ever again. Put it in the sea of forgetfulness where God placed it and don't go fishing it up anymore by verbalizing it Or talking about it. Because as far as you're concerned, that event that occurred last week is gone. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. It's never to be brought up again. It's not going to have an opportunity to lie to me ever again to get me in a state of emotional upheaval and dysfunctional behavior. As far as I'm concerned, it is dealt with. It is done. It is in the past. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. I refuse to give it any longer, any place in my life. You've just clothed yourself in love which is the bond of perfection. And you're now participating in a body of believers where others prayerfully are committed to clothing themselves in love. And you know what? Before long, you've got such cohesion within that body. You've got, I believe, an atmosphere that cannot be penetrated by the kingdom of darkness. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Don't talk about it ever again. Don't bring it up ever again. You'll be tempted to. It'll want to fly out your mouth. You won't want to hold it back with your tongue. But you've made a decision. Nope. Thank God. How many of you are glad? Remember he said, forgive others as Christ has also forgiven you. Remember he said that? How many of you are glad that your sins are in the sea of forgetfulness and God doesn't ever talk about them ever again? Are you glad? Somebody say amen. Now, that doesn't mean you agree with things that people do that are wrong. That means you refuse to be affected by it any longer. Or if you have been affected by it, you know what? You choose to pull yourself together, pick yourself up, and not be overcome by your emotional feelings. And you're going on with life. You're going on with a positive life. You choose to do that as an act of your will. Don't bring it up again. God's not bringing up your sin. Thank. God, hallelujah Amen Well I hope you got something out of this tonight Thank you for listening to our Legacy teachings, we pray today's Message has a profound impact upon Your life and your ministry I want you to know that God loves you Has a great plan for your life But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior Of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now Just pray this simple prayer Right after me, just say Heavenly Father, I come to you Just as I am